Welcome to Honest Money. Uh, we, we've got a, a slightly different format for, for today again because I, I felt that uh, we're getting quite a lot of questions from, from people that are not necessarily brave to, to, to send them to us on, on WhatsApp voice notes. They, they're generally sending them by messages or emails. So so I've asked my good friend and, and one of South Africa's best financial planners, Yolanda Boerter, to, to come on the show and she can she can play the role of inquisitor and I'll try my best to answer her, her questions. And, and so today we're going to stay on the theme of of offshore investing because I think it's a you know it's a topical conversation for a lot of people uh, and again there's lots of misinformation and, and I think it's important that we we try and cover this in a few different ways and in a few different steps. So Yolanda, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Warren, for that intro. You know, with the news um, feed that we get and all everything that's going on in our economy, offshore investing is top of mind for most people. Everybody's asking about how much they need to take offshore, not even if they should go offshore. So can you tell us a bit about the different ways we can invest overseas? Yeah, I think it's a... um you know, I think there, there are quite a lot of avenues open to, to South Africans now if, if we want to invest. And I, and I think it's, uh, you know, probably determined by how much you want to invest and then also how often you want to invest. And then lastly, uh, about what your long-term objectives are. So, for example, if we if we start with someone that says, uh, you know, I'm young and I'm, I'm starting to save and I'd like to do um, a monthly debit order, you know, some kind of a monthly savings. I don't have a big lump sum or, you know, a big inheritance or something like that, uh, my view is that, that you should consider doing something uh, called a feeder fund. So, so what is a feeder fund? It's a RAND-denominated investment, and what it does is that that investment then will buy overseas markets. So you're getting the full allocation to whatever the overseas market is that you want to buy, and you're getting the benefit of the RAND weakening if that's what happens. So if the RAND, let's say, goes from 17 to the dollar to 20 to the dollar, you will benefit from that uh, that move as well. But one day when you want to sell the investment, you're going to get that money back paid into your bank account in South Africa in RANDs. So you can't access that money overseas. And there's some great examples of, of different feeder funds. So you can, for example, look at Satrix. You know, they, they've got uh, you know, in a whole range of, of world funds. Like they're usually the MSCI World or the S&P 500 if you want to buy the American market or you know, a tech one or a China one. And, and you can buy them on a local stockbroking account or your local Easy Equities account or something like that. And that's a, a very classic example of a good low-cost uh, feeder fund. The, the unit trust industry is also a great place to buy feeder funds because you know a lot of the big unit trust companies in South Africa have got quite a substantial range of overseas investments, and they'll often have a, a you know a dollar denominated global fund, but then they'll create a rand based feeder fund that that buys that dollar fund as well. And, and so, to me, for for a monthly investment, that's a really good place to go. It also helps, for example, if you've got a family trust or you've got a company in South Africa because companies and family trusts can't send their money overseas. And so their path would, would, would easily be a feeder fund. That would, you know, to me, be the most, uh, most logical way. And then if we look at, uh, at investing overseas directly, so in other words, you say to yourself, I, I don't want to buy a feeder fund. I've got uh, a lump sum and I want to convert my rands into dollars or into pounds or into euros. And I want to send the money overseas and I want to buy a, an investment overseas. Uh, there are probably two main ways of doing that. And the one is that you can buy a dollar denominated unit trust. And there are tens of thousands of, of unit trusts overseas that you can buy. You know, everything from a pure tech fund to a biotech fund to a global world balanced fund to a currency fund, a mining fund, a, a property fund. There are 
thousands and thousands of different kinds of, of, of funds in many different currencies around the world. And, and so I think that that's a, that's a good path for, for people to follow if they don't want to be too specific in what they buy and they don't want to manage their, their, their money too carefully, you know, buy one or two uh, good uh, diversified unit trusts overseas. They, you know, there's no, no problem with that. And then the third route would be for people that say, I only want to buy an exchange traded fund or I want to buy my specific shares. I want to buy Berkshire Hathaway run by Warren Buffett or I want to buy Apple or Microsoft or a pharmaceutical company because they're going to solve the world's aging problems or something. Then your route is to open up a stockbroking account and there are quite a lot of uh, good op opportunities for South Africans to open up stockbroking accounts very easily from South Africa. Then you can send your money out and you can buy your individual shares or your exchange traded funds that way. So, so I think we've, we've got a, a good range of options, but, but certainly what I would say is uh, if you're going to do lump sums, you know, um, th then sending the money out makes sense, but don't do small amounts of money every month because the costs of converting your rands into dollars or pounds is really high and the banks really charge you a lot of money sometimes to do that. So, so rather do bigger amounts or use feeder funds. Thank you. And I think then the follow-on question is then how does investors deal with the exchange rate when they invest offshore? Yeah, I think it's a, cr a critical point that, you know, so when, when you're investing overseas, you've got the decision to convert your rands to dollars. And then the second decision is then once the money's invested overseas, how do you actually commit those dollars into your chosen investment? So the first part of that is, is the exchange rate. And I, I think you should be quite disciplined. So, for example, uh, choose a level that you are happy to convert your rands into dollars as in, in a, I'm going to use dollars just because it's the world's big, biggest currency. Uh, and I wouldn't try and time that. And in other words, I wouldn't be saying, well, I'm going to try and guess what the economy is going to do in South Africa and what's going to happen in the political environment in America and, and then what's going on with COVID or whatever the, the newest crisis is at the time. Rather say, for me as an investor, I'm happy to convert my rands, uh, let's say, in, into dollars at 17 rand to the dollar. And whenever the RAND gets to that level or it gets better than that level, that's the time to send your money out. Don't buy, try and be too cute about trying to time the market or be too, too clever. You know, the, the currency markets are extremely volatile and there are huge banks and fund managers and uh, insurance companies that are trading currencies all the time. And, and, and if they can't get it right, which they can't, when they trade currencies, don't expect that you can. So rather choose your level and then send your money out and, and be disciplined with that. In 10 years from now, whatever the exchange rate was that you paid today, the chances are that the rand's going to be a lot weaker than that. So, so if you've lost out on 20 or 30 cents over a two or three month period, don't worry about it because when the moves are three or four or five rand over a long period of time, 20 cents is just not a big number. So um, we also have a lot of clients with links to the UK or to Europe and emotionally they would like to invest in those countries. Does it make a difference where your money is invested overseas? It's a, it's a critical point that a lot of people forget about, you know, and, and so, for example, there are some banks in South Africa, especially the private banks that will say to you, you know, we'll help you open an account in, in London, in, you know, and you'll just use your local FICA and it will, will make it seamless and easy for you, which is all good and well. But the point is that the account is sitting in London. That's where your money will now live. And, and in the industry jargon, they call that the domicile of your money. And where your money lives makes a huge difference to taxes uh, to, to you living in South Africa. So, for example, if you've got money that lives in America because you've bought uh, a Vanguard index tracker or you've bought the um, Berkshire Hathaway shares on the New York Stock Exchange or you've opened up a bank account in London, you just need to know that, that in those countries, they will charge death duties or state duty in South African terms, death taxes, uh, 
to you and it will cost you about 40% of the of the value of your money overseas in either of those two places, the UK or, or the US. And yes, there's some benchmarks about, you know, the first $60,000 in America will be tax-free or X amount, I think it's 325,000 pounds in the UK. But the point is to pay away 40% of your hard-earned life savings to, to another country just because you, you, you chose the wrong a home for your money is a huge uh, mistake to make. So, so I think that where, where your money lives is really important. And so I, I would encourage investors to look at places like, uh, they call them the Channel Islands. So those are, that's Jersey, Guernsey, Isle of Man, or a, a place like Ireland, uh, the Country Island, or Luxembourg, or Switzerland. Because all of those countries don't charge death duties and other taxes to people who are not residents, who actually don't live in those countries. And that, that's a critical point. And, and, and the second point is, that, uh, for example, if you pass away in South Africa and you're, you've got money living in Switzerland, you, you're, the person who's looking after your estate, that's called the executor, can send uh, your death certificate and the letters of executorship to your bank in Switzerland or your fund manager, and they will use that to help you uh, wi- help your executor wind up your estate. So you don't need another will uh, for another country. And I think that those are the two big things that, uh, that, that are important when you make that decision to invest overseas, is understand the taxes while you're alive, and more importantly, Importantly, what happens if you pass away, and you don't want to, you know, end up in a sad situation once you've passed, and your family lose half their money? Yeah, that's such an important point because it adds so much to the cost of an offshore investment if you place it in the wrong jurisdiction. Then, so now we are, we have our money overseas in dollars, but how do we deal with this volatile stock market? Yeah, I think it's a um, you know it's it's quite an interesting uh, dynamic for for investors because you know once we've sent our money out, we're we're always worried about when do we invest and we can see all the bad news. You know, it's whether it's Trump or Biden or Boris Johnson or Vladimir Putin or you know North Korea or whatever. There are always going to be reasons to be afraid, um, and especially if you add a major you know economic and now uh, political and and societal crisis like you know like, like COVID, and you know COVID's probably going to be a Around, uh, around in our lives for two or three years. And, and so the, that that is a good reason to be concerned, but it's not a reason to stop investing. And I think that that's the critical mistake that people make is they, they park their money in cash, you know, and on cash now, if you've got dollars, you're basically going to earn nothing. In, in fact, you're probably going to pay banking charges, which means you're going to lose a bit of money every month. So, so rather say to yourself, okay, I've got dollars, I need to invest and I've got a 10-year or 20-year time horizon for my investments. If you've got that kind of a, a mental approach to your money, then what you can do is you can say, okay, let me commit my, my money in, in, into my investment, but I'm going to do it over six months. I'm not going to do it all at one shot. And I think that that's a critical point. So if you've got, let's say, $100,000 uh, that you've invested, you're lucky enough to, to have built up that money, uh, what you do is you take your $100,000, you divide it by six, and you invest that money equally in six parts over six months. So you choose a day, let's say it's the third Monday of every month and you commit that money into investments over that time frame so that you don't buy everything at once because the, the, part, the problem with that is if one of your concerns comes real, in other words, you know, uh, North Korea launches a nuclear missile at South Korea, uh, the, and you and you've happened to have been invested the day before. That's going to cause a huge loss on your money. Whereas if you phase that money in over six months, then only one sixth of your money will have been invested. And when that market collapses, the next month you're going to be buying again, and you'll be buying great assets at a huge discount. And and that's the way to try and smooth out the the effects of volatility. 
But I think the mistake a lot of people make is that they, they get so caught up in the bad news and trying to predict what's going to happen that they just sit on cash and they do nothing. And three or four or five years later, they've still got the cash. The stock markets have recovered and uh, grown ahead. And now they're worried that, they, that stock markets are going to crash again because there's a new big cycle that they're worried about. There are always going to be cycles. There are always going to be reasons uh, not to invest. And I think the point here is, Stick to a long-term goal and then start by phasing your money in and don't worry too much about losses in the short term. You know, investing anywhere in the world, especially overseas, is like, is like riding on a, on a roller coaster. You know, you are, you are going to go up and down, but, uh, and sometimes the ride is fun and sometimes it's scary. But if you don't jump out halfway through, you will get to your destination. And I think that that's the, import, the important point here is don't jump out halfway through because that, that's really going to hurt you. Great. Thank you, Warren. We'll all sit tight. And thank you very much. I think that answers my question so clearly and eloquently as always. So, so for, for our listener, I think, uh, you know, to, to me, I think the important point about investing overseas is it's good diversification. It's, it's a sensible thing to do. Don't try and do it just because there is an opportunity because the RAND is strong or the RAND is weak or politics in South Africa, wild or not, or whatever the deal is. It must be a long-term strategic decision that you make to invest a portion of your money overseas to get benefits of diversification, not because you're trying to trade currencies or take advantage of an opportunity or avoid a, a problem because the, all of that is market timing and unfortunately market timing is a great way to lose money and not a great way to make money so, so i think be careful be rational stick to a plan and you know and keep listening to our podcasts we'll keep telling you how, how we think you should do it and and the only promise we'll make you is that it, it will be exciting uh, but if you stick to the you stick to your, your plan you will make money over long periods of time so, so thanks for listening and thanks to you, Yolanda, for joining us. It's always great to have you. Thank you very much, Warren. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.